The school year is well underway by now, but if you're like me, you are still getting the kinks worked out, and that's okay. Listen along to hear our tips and ideas for some of those beginning-of-the-year essentials like classroom setup, classroom management, and parent communication. It's never too late to get a strong system in place to set yourself and your students up for success. Welcome to All Things Education with me, Mr. Z. And me, Miss V. We are teachers, and we are going to help you explore the world of education. The sweet, the tough, and the outrageous. And let me tell you, we've seen it all. Using our experience, research, and an occasional guest expert, we'll present fresh perspectives on all things education. Wink. (laughs) I see what you did there. Each episode will be informative and entertaining, and no topic is off limits. Although it's already week five for me and my kindergartners, we are still going through some changes when it comes to routines, schedules, rules, and even the roster. I just got a new kid this week, and I'm losing a kid at the end of this week as well. Wow. So it's kind of crazy, but that's to be expected at the beginning of the school year. And that's also why it's important to establish strong classroom management and parent communication skills. Totally. And I also feel like because of those changes, having an organized, calm, and pleasant classroom environment is really, really crucial. With so much uncertainty and everything being new at the beginning of a school year, the classroom setup is kind of the one constant that students can count on, right? Yeah, totally. I think it's important to talk classroom setup before we even get into classroom management or communication because that kind of sets the stage for everything else. And it's typically the first thing that teachers tackle, and it's definitely the first thing students and parents both notice. Right. It's almost like the first impression and the first glimpse into who you are as a teacher and what the culture or atmosphere will be like for learning in your room. And now, if you are a teacher, you likely already have your room set up by now at this point in the year. But that doesn't mean that you aren't going to make some changes to it as the year goes on. So, Scott, now that you're back in the classroom, what would you say are some of the most important things to consider and or at least have when it comes to setting up a classroom? Well, for younger elementary classrooms, I would definitely say having a distinct rug area plus a distinct area for desks or tables and chairs is super important. Mm, I like that. Yeah. In season one, we talked about students' attention spans and how the rule of thumb is to add two minutes to their age, and that's about how long they can focus at a given time. So for K-2 to classrooms, it's really beneficial to have two areas where learning can take place so that students are not stuck at their table or their desk all day. Right. And I feel like having that rug, like so much enriching learning takes place on it. You know, morning meetings, read alouds, mini lessons, the list goes on. And now I always prefer a rug that has rows and columns with like the little, you know, color coded pictures on it, um, just so students can have assigned seats on it. I think especially in kindergarten, this is important. But I also get that a lot of teachers don't aren't able to choose and are just kind of working with what's been given to them by their schools. Yeah. I mean, I am in that same vein. I like a good rug with rows and columns or at least um, different shapes Mm -hmm. because I think, especially for the younger kids, like the kindergartners when they came in, you know, they walk in and it's brand new to them and they're like, where's my seat? I don't know where to sit. Where am I going? So I think it's really important to be like, okay, you're sitting on the red star or this is your desk to have it labeled and take care in place. Predictable. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that you don't need to spend a bunch of your own money to make your classroom look good. Mm -hmm. In fact, I feel the best classrooms are not the flashiest or the most Pinteresty, 
but rather the ones that display student work are clean and organized, have lots of print, maybe a plan or two, and some calm lighting. I love that. Last season, we also had that beware of Pinterest. You know, Pinterest can be great, but it also, I think, talking about first impressions, when you walk into a room, you can tell if the teacher just, you know, kind of printed everything off Pinterest or whatever. Wait, speak. I'm going to jump in here because speaking of uh, Pinterest and Etsy and all these places, I was actually watching a TikTok the other day. And Mm -hmm. of course, I've been clicking on a lot of teacher links. So I keep getting teacher motivated type um, messages and marketing. But there was a teacher that's like, here's my new classroom for the school year. And she gave a tour and she zoomed the camera around and she had a coffee bar in her giant (laughs) closet next to the giant two person bathroom. I was like, what school is she working in? Right. I have no bathroom. I have no extra space. I've got one tiny closet. (laughs) Love for her to walk into a CPS classroom. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. And that's the other thing to keep in mind. Don't, don't feel like everything you see online is what's realistic. But does she need a coffee bar i don't think i mean it would be nice but like i mean and really are her students drinking the coffee i hope not (laughs) no anyway um but yeah i mean having lots of print i really like what you said about that because obviously yes in a classroom library it's important but i think having everything labeled throughout your room um you know when i was helping you set up your classroom this year we were cutting out those labels and we labeled desk we labeled stapler we labeled board i mean everything yeah and that's really important for those students who are just emerging with their literacy skills. But I also think for students that are English language learners too, it's really important. Yeah. And I I don't know if you remember, but the labels that we did put up are both in English and Spanish. Yeah. And the words are next to each other as opposed to one on top. So it doesn't represent one language being more important than the other. So just keeping that equity in mind. Totally. And I also like what you said about calming lighting. I mean, a lamp can go a long way, especially when I feel like most schools, if they're older in particular, have that really harsh kind of neon lighting. Um, a calm corner where there's low stim, maybe a comfy chair or a beanbag and some stress-reducing items like maybe some therapy or a stress ball or something. That's important because sometimes we can all benefit from a little calming break. Mm-hmm, definitely. I just got some new chairs for my library that are Ooh, very soft and comfy. Love that. That's exciting. But do you want to share about my rug? Yes, we had a little <laughs> debacle with Scott's rug. And there were four of us there. It was Scott, there Javi, Jose, and I. We all went to Ikea and we found this cute rug. Kids had some rug. like yeah for the library yeah it. it's very relaxing yep i was in the library with scott and we both thought okay this rug looks like perfect sizing and but i will say i did say scott do you want to measure and he was like no no no, no. i think we, we got, got this. it we got this. <laughs> and so we go to ikea we buy this really cute rug and then he sends a picture and it literally is like, like a quarter of his yeah <laughs> it does not fit at all it is way too small it covers like one little section of it and that's the kids love it though. But moving on in other terms of decor, (laughs) as I mentioned, student work is the best decor you can have because it's authentic. It makes the students feel proud of their own projects and it showcases all they are learning and doing in class. Mm -hmm. This can be writing samples. It can be a craft. It can be math problems, pictures drawn during free choice, anything. And plus, if parents ever come into your room, it's a great way for them to see their child's efforts. And I feel like we would could go on and on about the classroom setup. But in the interest of time, I think we should move on to some classroom management and parent communication, which yes. is a huge one. Mm-hmm. But time. if you want to know more or see examples of how we set up our classrooms, or if you're a teacher in the older grades and want to hear more tips for middle or high school classroom setup, please reach out to us. We are more than happy to share more ideas and details.
Once you've got your classroom set up, it's time to consider management. How are you going to start off the year with realistic and predictable rules and routines that promote a safe, healthy, and exciting learning environment? Yeah, so no matter the age of your students, um, it's important to get the input of your students on the rules and expectations for the classroom. This is really beneficial for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. Because one, it shows that the students that you want them to be an equal partner in their education. Totally. It is student-centered, um, and it puts the students' needs, desires, and goals to the front. And it also holds the students accountable because they can be reminded throughout the school year that they were the ones that actually created those expectations. Plus, it gives you as a teacher, a glimpse into what students value and feels important for their best learning to take place. I love that. It gives them the ownership, right, over also helping you establish what are those things that they expect out of the Yeah, classroom. and we actually didn't call them rules this year. We called them classroom agreements. Oh, like and I've that. actually referred back. I said, oh, look, here, let's review our classroom agreements so they can see like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what we agreed to. I that just yeah. that simple change in vocabulary totally and i mean speaking of simplicity making these rules or agreements expectations um it could be as easy as just a class meeting where you ask your students to raise their hands with ideas and you write those on a big sheet of chart paper that then gets hung up in the classroom somewhere after or if you teach in the older grades, it could be more in depth, like a Google survey or small group sessions that you sit in on so that students feel really comfortable being honest and vulnerable about what they want in their classroom this year. Yeah, I've even seen the older grades set up like a classroom contract where they I all, like you know, once they, they write they it, then they it. sign yeah. off on it. Yeah, And totally. then they share it with the parents so that everybody's on board. Love that. Um, but yeah, speaking of honesty and vulnerability, it's important for the students to know from day one that you care about them as individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that means like for me, I always like to send home um, a bio sheet of myself and then ask the students to write a quick bio about themselves or including anything they'd like me to know about who they are, um, about their personality, their background, what's important to them, and how they'd like to be referred to, and so on. I, I also that. ask for a little parent information as well, like who's at home, mm -hmm. do you have a computer, an iPad, things like that, just so yeah. I kind of know where Just a quick they're intake. From. And for, for younger students, a parent can obviously help them fill for this sure. out, but I think <clears throat> it's important for all ages. Yeah. So this allows students to share what they feel comfortable with, while also getting to know me and knowing it's a two-way street, that I'm going to be open and honest with them about who I am and hopefully they will feel the same way um, and be open and honest with me about who they are. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And then kind of the last major thing I would say with classroom management is follow through. I feel like I see it all the time when I go in to observe in different classrooms where there's, you know, a rules poster or agreements hanging in the room somewhere, but almost every one of those rules or agreements is being broken during the hour that I'm in there. Um, and really once those rules and expectations are established, you as the teacher have got to follow through with them and hold yourself and your students accountable for them. So for instance, like if the noise level gets too loud, then stop the class right then and there and do a reset. Uh, if people aren't respecting each other's personal space or something, intervene amongst those students immediately. If there is a bullying situation, address it with the individuals directly involved 
right away, like immediately, and then follow up with the whole class shortly thereafter. And this doesn't have to be anything major necessarily, depending upon what the situation was, but debrief it, do a social story, have a healing circle, you know, be sure not to single out those involved students, but making everyone aware that bullying isn't acceptable in your classroom culture based on those rules that you all just established at the beginning. Yeah. And I have to say, I think, um, you know, at my school that I'm at now, we have a new administration and they were very tough when setting up our schedules in the sense of like, you've got this 90 minute block of math, this 90 minute block of this. And every of the teachers were all sort of, um, not freaking out, but just like, well, wait a second. I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to redirect the class. But the thing is, is I think you need to take that time at the beginning of the year, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So like Katie said, if something's happening, you can stop the class redirect them right then and there because then in the long run towards the end of the year it's going to give you so much more learning time and it's going to save you endless headaches i totally so you have to take that time at the beginning and i know they you know you have to have your certain minutes for math and science reading etc but like really take the time to set up your class because it's going to be so worth it in the end and it really will save on that instructional time because you won't later on in the year have to be interrupting for those constantly redirecting exactly yes they'll know how the class is set up and it'll run like a smooth well-oiled machine but uh, right that immediate action is crucial because the minute that you start letting things slide or saying, oh, I'll follow up with that later, the minute it can start to get out of hand. Totally. And remember that management is not discipline. Management should be proactive, inclusive, and positive. So frame it that way and make sure you're acknowledging and verbalizing all the amazing things your students are doing on a regular basis to maintain those rules and expectations. They help to determine. I'm a big fan of like positive reinforcement. Like, oh, look, so-and-so got to the rug so quick. They were listening. They followed directions. Like, wow, what a great listener, you know, that type of thing. Kind of that intrinsic motivation for students to, to follow those uh, expectations that they helped establish. I agree. So we've done a quick rundown of classroom setup and classroom management. Now onto the final beginning of the year essential parent communication. But I have to say, I did not start off this year with good parent communication. Mm. And I do feel that it has set a little bit of a tone for my year. Now, we're going to talk about how we do parent communication. But um, in my defense, um, the way that I got this job was relatively last minute. Sure. And they actually had me, they had offered me originally a different position, which I turned down. So when I actually accepted the position, my name was listed under a different roster. Mm. So I didn't have access to any of the parents' information. I couldn't get parent emails. I couldn't get um, addresses. I couldn't get anything, I think, until the second week of school. Oh, my gosh. And so what I had to do, (laughs) I had to, um, you know, I made my bio sheet. I made my welcome sheet. And I could give it out at the people that came to, like, the back-to-school sort of, like, meet and greet. But I would say that was maybe... A third of my sure, kids. Only a handful of people. And then I had to send an email to have the principal then send out to my kids. Mm. But then my roster changed so much. So it was a little bit of a chaos. Yeah. And so I feel like the parents are like, wait, who is this new teacher at the school and why aren't they communicating? The other teachers have been sending stuff mm-hmm. out. Which so I did get a lot of looks on the playground. But it's not my <laughs> fault. And I've tried to make that clear in you know, newsletters since like, hey, thank you for being patient. I'm setting up these processes for us to communicate better. But 
parent communication is a big, and it starts at the beginning, even before the first day of yeah, school. Truly, even before. And I mean, love it or hate it is part of the job as a teacher. But I will say, if you can get in front of it, so kind of like you said, before even day one, it can actually prove to be like your biggest ace in the hole. Parents are likely going to want to know what's going on in their child's classroom, and rightly so. And so rather than make your own life difficult as a teacher, set up like some type of consistent communication that goes out to all parents. Definitely. That way you're not having to respond to a bunch of individual requests to know what students are doing in literacy this week or when's testing taking place, what days do we have gym, whatever the case might be. Rather, you can just have all that information posted in one spot and then it's on the parents to read it and stay informed. But I will say the key is to be thorough yet concise so that you still don't end up with a bunch of individual follow-up emails, even if you already have all that stuff posted. Exactly. And there are so many ways to do this. In fact, you can have an interactive classroom website. Um, In the past, I know that we've used Shutterfly Mm -hmm. and found it extremely useful because we could post our updates, we could post pictures weekly. And so that's one of the things I keep getting. I keep getting questions from parents asking, hey, can you take pictures of the kids in class and share them with us? I'm more than happy to do so, but you have to get all the parents to sign off on a media consent form. And sure. I don't have all those, so I keep telling the parents, like, I'm more than happy to do so, but I need this first because I you know, want to make yeah. sure that I'm following the rules and, and Absolutely. being safe. Um, but then there's also other really great apps, um, such as um, right now, currently for my classroom, I'm using Remind app. Yep, I've used um, that before. I and that is that. a quick way to send out a quick message to families like, hey, tomorrow's a field trip or hey, we're doing testing today. You know, um, hey, the weather's turning really cold. Make sure you put your name inside of your students' jackets and coats and rain boots and everything so they don't get left at school. Totally. And I mean, also, if you don't want to use the technology or you're aware that some of your families don't have access to technology, I mean, a good old-fashioned paper newsletter in students' home folders is always a great option. It's, you know, just something that makes parents aware that you want them to be in the know as much as they want to be in the know, and that you're keeping them in mind as an important part of their child's education. Yeah. So there have been a ton of studies about how beneficial it actually is for student learning, where students, parents, and teachers all communicate and are on the same page about the student's academic progress and goals. Absolutely. And I think having those clear boundaries with parents about your you as the teacher, your response types, and um, what type of communication you're comfortable with, those are really important boundaries to establish. For instance, I've always felt that parents do not need my cell phone number. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, hopefully, hopefully many parents aren't asking that, but I also know I've had that asked before, so it's not unheard of. Um, If they have questions, they can reach out to me via email, or if it's a true emergency, they can call the school and then they'll, you know, contact me immediately from the front office. But boundaries are very blurred if parents have your cell phone number, and it just opens a can of worms that I had never wanted to open. And I think, you know, in terms of email, it is important. I know it sounds a little ridiculous, but to have, you know, a well-established response rate that parents are aware of saying, you know, I will respond to all emails within 24 to 48 hours, um, because I've had in the past, it used to feel so, I don't know, just maybe... I'm not sure if disrespectful is the right word, but something. No, it's not disrespectful, but I, I'm, I know that we've both had this happen to us. 
I received it. You know, I had my my email on my phone, mm-hmm. and you know, before bed, I happened to check my email, and a parent had written me at like eleven fifteen at night, and then I see them at seven forty five in the morning, and they're like, "Did you get my email?" And you're like, "Yes." They're like, "You didn't respond." Well, it was, <laughs> like yeah. eleven. 15 at night. Right. I, I mean, for me, I go to bed at like 8.30. So I would not, like, we need to sleep. We need to, and you know what? We also have lives outside of the classroom and that balance is really important. So, you know, parents, make sure if your teacher does have one of those established, I will respond in 24 to 48 hours. Definitely try to respect that unless it is a true emergency and then I yeah. can guarantee any, uh, you know, any good teacher will get back to it if it's truly an emergency at a quicker rate than that. Yeah, I had that happen just this week. Well, actually last week, a parent had emailed me. Mm -hmm. Um, I read, I saw the email. I skimmed it because it was like three pages long, like single space. Um, And it wasn't about anything necessarily having to do with curriculum or an issue in class. It was just um, just information type thing. And you know, they had some questions for me. And, um, the next day I got like a text message from through the remind app reminding me that they had sent me an email and they had not gotten response as well as another email to remind me. And I was like, so at that point I chose wrote back and I said, Oh, you know, your email had a lot of content in it. I want to make sure I can take the time to sit down and really address each point. Um, and I just haven't had the chance to do that. So I promise I'll respond by Tuesday. Yeah. And I think also like for families realizing, yes, your child is obviously the most important to you, but realizing that as a teacher, there are 24 other students in the room or however many there might be, plus all of the parents or guardians for those students. So cut your teachers some slack. They will respond. Um, but yeah, teachers don't, don't be shy about setting those really clear, um, boundaries. Yeah. For, I actually, this was interesting too. I actually, res- I wrote one of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like eight o'clock at night. I was doing some work. Um, and so I sent her an email and she had an, uh, auto reply on that said, you're emailing me outside of school hours. I will read this the next school day and respond to you within 24 hours. I like that. But I thought that I had never seen that before. And I really, I I really appreciate it because I was like, okay, I think, you know, as teachers and I think the teachers that you and I are, Mm -hmm. we often sometimes forget about those boundaries of taking our own personal time. Totally. We have definitely have boundaries, but like sometimes we're like, oh, wait, I need to do this email. It's like, you know. Yep. Yeah, I I really like that. That's a great idea and one that I truly hadn't considered before, but I like that. And, okay, I guess the final thing that we'll say about, you know, parent communication, this one's for, for teachers mostly, but parents too. You know, as a teacher, the first time you reach out to a parent, it should not be to tell that parent or guardian about something negative that happened with their child. For instance, you don't want the first time you're ever talking to a parent to be about a behavioral situation or a failing grade or tardies, whatever the case might be. Yeah. It's important to reach out. Yeah. To the parents in those instances, of course, but to reach out celebrating their child as well. You know, they always say, I know this is a little bit off topic, but you know, at teacher parent conferences or the first time you have a sit down meeting and maybe admins there, it shouldn't be all about like behavior choices the student might be making that aren't in the most positive light. They should have heard about this a long time before. So you want to make sure that communication is there. 
Yeah. And also just celebrating the child first, right? Mm -hmm. It'll make future negative communication go much smoother. If you've already reached out to the parent about, hey, your child did this really well today or, you know, a quick phone call. It doesn't even have to be a phone call, though. It can be something like a quick email or even just a note home being like, hey, your child rocked their chemistry quiz that I knew they were really stressed about. Kudos to them. Or, you know, hey, your your child was really kind to a friend today in class, thought you want, might want to know, um, anything like that. But, you know, sending home that positive news prior to or certainly in addition to any potential negative news is really important for, yeah. for teachers and for parents. It's nice for a parent to hear great things about their child. Yeah, and like you said, it doesn't have to be you know, a formal letter or email yeah. or call. I mean, Something it could quick be and easy. quick and easy. I always like to, what I usually do the first couple months of school is I usually observe the kids and I pick five kids that I see um, to look at that week. And I pick out something that they do that's amazing. Like you said, maybe being a good friend. And I send a postcard home, like a really cute I postcard with it. a stamp. So they get mail. Yep. Um, and I just think it's a really great way to let them know that like one, I care about them as an individual and then I notice, yeah. you know, the good choices that they're making. Again, it goes back to that kind of intrinsic motivation to, mm-hmm. to do the right thing. And, and being a great committee member. Yep. I love that. Awesome. So, all right. Well, that was a ton of information today. Uh, I think we better cut ourselves off here, but we really could go on and on and get into things like behavior charts when it comes to classroom management. Should you have one or should you not? Or that's a hot topic. I know it is a hot topic or restorative justice. What is it? Does it actually work or how to respond to tricky parent emails or even parents from your perspective, you know, you might have tricky or sensitive questions that you want to ask the teacher. And we get that too. Uh, really the list could go on and on, but we will definitely save all of that for future episodes. Yeah. So if you have anything that you want to know, ask us, DM us or comment on this episode or email us. We want to make sure your questions are getting answered. Definitely. Well, thanks for listening today about all of those kind of beginning of the year essentials. We know that they can be tough, classroom setup, management, parent communication, <laughs> but they are really crucial and, and good luck to you with all of them. Yeah.